0: Hello and welcome to this Talking Dogs. I'm Graham Hall, although I often go by the Dog Father. For over 10 years I've been working with dogs and people alike and more recently I've been helping train dogs on televisions, dogs behaving very badly. And now I'm here on this podcast too, giving as much advice and telling as many tales as I can. This is an opportunity for me to share the answers to your questions. And if we're lucky, we might even have a laugh along the way too. I think for a lot of people, one of the joys of getting a dog is the idea of being able to discover new parts of the coastline or woodland, going on adventures with the family, that sort of thing. And that can quickly become an impossibility if you realise your dog's not a fan of the car. In fact, just popping to the next village to do a quick shop can be incredibly hard work if you have to spend more time getting your dog in the car than you actually do driving. This exact scenario has become a real problem for Rasheen and her dog Charlie.
1: Hi Graham, I'm just hoping you can help me get my dog over his dislike of my car. Uh, Charlie was always in my car since he was a puppy to go for nice walks and a good run around at the beach. But he was often in and out of the vets as a puppy, so there's always been a kind of a love-hate relationship. Uh, He had to go to the vets shortly after lockdown was imposed, and because of the measurements they had in place, I couldn't go in with him. So... Ever since he went in to the vets without me, he's just refused to go into my car. Uh, he would tuck his tail in behind his legs and even tremble as soon as I opened the car door. So I've done a bit of reassociation training with him and I've got him to the point now where he is relaxed outside the car. He doesn't mind the car door opening and he will go in the car but only if I go in first. Uh, if I go into the back seat and push the front seats forward as I have a hatchback. He'll come in then when I hand out a treat. I've spent the last couple of weeks just sitting in the car with him and feeding him his favourite treats. Uh, I even managed one day to get the car doors closed and I took him just a quick drive around the estate. But since that day he has just been a bit more hesitant. If I can get him in the car and then if I make a move to close the doors he just backs out immediately. And he looks a wee bit panicked. It's just a wee bit sort of one step forward two steps back with him at the moment i'm just wondering if there's anything else i can do to get him to go into the car on his own so i can take him a nice walk because he's a big boy who's been stuck with a local walk and he hasn't been able to get a good run around at the beach so thank you
0: Ah, okay this is interesting because there's a clear trigger for charlie's fear of the car in, in general prevention is much better than cure so let me come back to some universal principles to get your dog used to traveling from a young age uh, in a little while but first Rasheen uh, here's what's happening I think that it's quite clear that there's some signs of anxiety there. And I've seen a video clip that you've sent in. I can see his ears are back. He's licking his lips as well at one point, which is a, it's not because there's a treat coming it's because he's, it's a sign of stress that. I've got to say, I love him. He's adorable. What a, what a lovely dog, but bless him. Yes, he's, he's nervous about getting in the car. I think we could sort of relax him a little bit more outside the car, do a little bit more out there. And I noticed when you're in the car, you're feeding him treats. But there's no praise coming. There's no, um, you're not actually talking to him. So I think what's happening is that you're, you're using the treats as, as a reward for the right behaviour, which is when he makes a step forward and gets in the car. But I think you're forgetting to actually speak to him and be normal. Uh, and that's often what happens he he's sort of saying well this is all a bit weird it's a bit of an odd situation frankly uh, and you're like yeah and i'm not acting very normally either so the whole thing's just a little bit a bit weird so i think if you can make it a bit more normal a bit bit more matter of fact. come on then let's get in the car yeah good boy yeah that's fine yeah you say he's very hesitant uh, he he is yeah I think you are too actually, it's the way it comes across and it's understandable why because you're anxious about the situation but being less hesitant, being a bit more kind of this is just going to happen, that sort of attitude that you just expect it to be fine, that makes a big difference. Now, Roshini, you've obviously understood quite a bit about dog training because you're talking about reassociation training so let's explain for for everyone what that's about. We'd also call it counter-conditioning. So it's where you take... A situation which had a a negative association i don't like going in the car because you might take me to the vets and we're trying to turn that around to a positive association if i get in the car good things happen like the beach now the problem is we can't explain to him if you get in the car we'll take you to the beach because he's a dog he doesn't understand english so what you're doing is you're saying if you go into the car then you'll get a treat instead Now, one thing you could do is associate getting into the car with something he's already doing, which he likes. And eating seems like a pretty good bet. So he's he uh, he's a Labrador, maybe a Labrador cross, actually. Famously, they love food. So what you could do is, uh, instead of feeding him his, his food in the house, prepare the bowl, take it to the car, uh, and then get him to eat his, his bowl in the car. But don't insist on going for a drive. Simply a case of you go there, something really good happens. Nobody challenges you to do anything else yet and you build that up and then yeah the doors start to close the next stage by the way would be just sit in the car with the engine running don't go anywhere it may be that you've gone a stage too far you said that at one point you got the doors closed yeah Uh, and then you went for a run around the block i think that drive around the block might have been a bit too much there's a halfway house which is you know he's in the car great Next stage, he's in the car. The doors are closed. Great, that's where you got to, right? In the car, doors closed. You're sat in the front seat. Next stage, right? The stage after that, you're in the front seat. The engine switches on, but the car goes nowhere. Yeah. Next stage, this is as days go by. Yeah, you're sat in the front seat. You put it in reverse. You rock up and down the drive or whatever. That's that. And then it might be a week before you get to get into driving around the block. It sounds really painstaking. It is, but if you think, well, if you're going to invest a couple of weeks of your time, and he was going to be happy in the car forever after that, well, that's time well spent. There's a general principle, I think, with lots of dog training, and it really applies here, which is break things down into their sort of tiniest little steps you can think of, don't jump too far at once. I think it's easy to understand, really, why dogs don't like cars or at least some dogs and and it's this really we, we know what cars are we, we were brought up with them from an early age as dogs were too but we understood that it was kind of normal it's just the way it is but to an animal something moving underneath them is an earthquake and everything about them is screaming out wrong 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 some dogs just get it don't they they love the car they can't wait to get in they associate it with going good places they're fine but for lots of dogs I've noticed that 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 movement It's just weird. They just really don't like it. One of the the best things you can do for a dog like that is think about your driving, actually. It's the old sort of advanced motoring thing of if you imagine you were driving along and there was a basket of eggs on the bonnet, and <laughs> your job was to make sure you didn't spill any, uh, no unintentional omelettes required here, that's going to mean that you accelerate slower, you brake slower, which means that you've got to be looking further ahead. You know, you, you, you're twice the, the braking distance. And... And don't turn into corners so, so, so quickly, so rapidly, you know, be really smooth. I appreciate this sounds like a lecture on your driving standards, but it's all about giving that dog a smooth ride. Give him half a chance to get used to, to, to the car. So important. Well young dogs like young children can dislike cars for for different reasons and one of the other is is just motion sickness which you know as we all know kind of passes with age it's just scary and it cause it's it's unpleasant you know feeling sick and then of course it's easy to understand that a dog would then make the association with you know every time I go in that car I feel sick it's horrible I hate it Probably the way to think of it is um, if you've ever done that thing when you've had a few drinks and then you sort of like spin around two or three times and put your back against the wall and it feels as though the wall's moving around. Yeah, that's that's how motion sickness feels. It's not nice. Really all you can do when you've got that is wait for it to pass as the months go by. And in the meantime, make sure you give your dog an easy ride in the car. Just Just drive that car nice and steadily. One of the things that Rasheen is doing really well is to get in the car first and then bring the dog in after her. You know, there's this phrase that we all use, which is we lead by example. Often that's not what we do when we've got a Car problem with the with the dog. We we stand outside and go, go on in. You get in. You get in. You get. We're trying to push this dog in first. The dog's going. It's scary in there. I don't like it, and I don't see you getting in, frankly. So if you're struggling, often that's enough to make the difference. It wasn't quite for Rasheen. Needed a bit of extra help, but you getting in first and then getting the dog in can help. Not quite so convenient uh, if you've got a dog cage in the back of your car like I do with the Land Rover. So it's not going to work for that. But it's certainly something if you've got the dog in the back of a car in in the back seat another little neat idea uh, in a car is something called dog appeasing pheromone so it's the, it's the smell of mum when she was nursing really and you you often think of it in those those plug-ins um that you can get in the house but a way i really find useful is a a spray there's a pump action spray that you can get the the big maker's name that everybody's heard of is is adaptil right if you spray the stuff on the dog's bed or the area in the car where they're they're going to sit it just creates this nice kind of welcoming calming smell um, that they associate with being a little puppy right now there's a catch to this The carrier for the active ingredient is in the form of of an alcohol, an ethanol, and it takes about 15 minutes for that to flash off and leave the the smell behind. If you introduce a dog during that period when it's flashing off, it shoots up their noses like smelling salts and has exactly the opposite effect to what you want, geez them up. Um, So you don't want to do that it's always in the instructions but if you're a bit like me you buy a spray and you never look at the instructions it's like how hard could it be to spray a spray right um but yeah spray it leave it for a good 15 minutes perhaps 20 minutes and then introduce your dog and you've probably got a good hour hour and a half's worth of 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 the effect Okay, so I understand that prevention isn't always possible and sometimes we just need a cure. Um, That was the case for Rasheen, but it's also the case for Zara, who's been in touch about Labrador Cody.
2: We have a five-year-old Labrador called Cody. He really is the sweetest, friendliest dog with such a good nature and is so well-behaved until he goes in the car. As soon as he gets in the car, he starts barking and very rarely stops for the whole journey, no matter how long it is. It's... Difficult to understand if he is just excited about where he might be going or if he just doesn't like going in the car and is very anxious. I used to have a smaller car and he was tethered to the back seat, but I now have a larger hatchback car and he is right in the back behind a dog guard, but the barking is still the same. We've tried numerous strategies, including ignoring him in the hope he would get bored. We have tried keeping him calm and quiet before going in the car. We've also tried praising him the very few times he is quiet, but nothing seems to work. We were concerned that he associates going in the car with going to the beach which he loves so sometimes we put him in the car and just drive around for a little while so he doesn't always think he is going to the beach. We would willingly take him with us to other places but the incessant barking is intolerable so any help or suggestions would be greatly appreciated.
0: Okay, Zara, well, this is really quite interesting because, again, you sent a video note in. I've had a, a quick look at that. I mean, what we can see there, actually, is he's... Um, he doesn't look really anxious um, like some dogs do in a car. You know, there's no classic signs of, uh, of stress there. He is panting a little, though, but the, the barking is kind of different. It's its like... <laughs> he's like, Row, raw, raw. It's like, you, 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 pay attention, you. <laughs> um, and although you say... You know he keeps up the barking for the whole journey in in the very short little clip you sent me there are actually moments of silence there so you, you know you mentioned rewarding him praising him when he's quiet i think sometimes we look for too much quiet we, we set the bar too high if he's quiet for just a second or two for me that would be enough just to drop in a, a quick bit of like oh good boy that's nice but here's the thing, if your praise is excited, oh, clever boy, Cody, you'll just rev him back up again and everybody's shouting at everyone. So I think for you, it, it's it's more about he's excited. Yeah, it may well be that, you know, he's, um, he, again, he's excited to get to the beach. Um, funny both people have written to me today taking dogs to the beach in the car. I wonder how far away the beach is, actually, because sometimes we don't really take a dog who's excitable far enough in order for him to calm down. If you go on a longer journey, it's often the case that although you're kind of dreading it because of the barking that he does, they do start to settle down or they'll start to settle down on different kinds of roads. Often people report, you know, motorways, dual carriageways are a good bet. Now, all right, that sounds just like a a cop-out. Well, you know, just just always drive on dual carriageways. Of course not. It means that it gives you the opportunity to praise that good behaviour gives him a chance to discover what it's like to just lie down and and be calm so think about a longer journey think about the moments when you can praise the good behavior and it doesn't need to be for you know one two three four minutes at a time two or three seconds would do me very nicely thank you very much on that point if you can keep an eye on him in the mirror of course do it safely you might see that he sits down or he lies down at some point so um, it appears in the clip i think he was sitting down but if you see his head disappear out of sight because he's lying down that's absolutely when you would praise him every time a dog goes down from a, a stand to a sit or from sit to, to down in a car it's a sign that they're becoming clearly calmer if it's an anxious dog less anxious too because they're a bit like us if they're if they're anxious or stressed out they tend to be on their toes a bit on their feet so if they come down you know what i'm going to say don't you bit of calm praise It's interesting that you've changed the type of car that you've got and he's now further away so he was in the back seat immediately behind you now he's a bit further away but actually in your case it didn't make any difference in lots of cases it actually does further away can be more of a problem sometimes if you're struggling with a dog right in the back it is possible to have them you know in the seat behind you provided they're properly restrained and we'll come to that in a second it may well mean that you, you can bed down some better behaviour, you, you can you can praise them, and that being nearer to you gives them a bit of reassurance. Once they've got the hang of things, if you really want them in the very back, and I'm thinking of state cars or SUVs here, uh, you know perhaps behind a dog guard, uh, that's the next stage to make. So we create a sort of interim, sort of easier option, if you like, of being just, just behind you a question that's often asked is is do dogs have to be restrained in a car well I think common sense says that dogs should be restrained in a way that's not going to cause an accident that goes without saying you'd think but actually the the road traffic act does does state that dogs need to be uh, restrained in a way that that doesn't distract the driver now th- that's a bit up for interpretation as to what distract actually means but one thing's for sure that y- your dog cannot run around free within the car it's 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 against the law so your options are things like yeah on the back seat or or behind behind a dog guard perhaps in a crate if your dog's used to a crate um they can be very useful i've got two purpose-built dog crates in in the back of the the Land Rover that i use which is they were designed for the job they're just great and they don't squeak either which is quite important to me another option is to have your dog tethered to the seat belt and these attachments are very common now so you plug one end into the car seat belt the other end obviously goes up to your dog not on the collar so if you're going to do that you really need a harness on the dog so that if the worst was to happen you know you're not going to break your dog's neck when uh, when they go snapping forward it doesn't bear thinking about does it so um for really small dogs the front seat is a gray area Uh, now yes they've got to be secure could they distract you? Yes, possibly. Um, they certainly shouldn't be able to get across to the gear stick and across to you. You know, down and in the footwell for a small dog, suitably restrained, possibly. But again, not as good as having them behind you. Really, I've got to say. While we're talking about safety, um, we've all seen dogs with their heads sticking out the window of a car. It's kind of cute, you know, ears flapping in the wind. It's the it's the stuff of social media posts, I guess these days. Uh, and TV adverts, the problem is that dogs can get dust in their eyes and uh, their eyes can be damaged by by flying debris and all that kind of thing. And, and, and you know, God forbid that you, you should get sort of close enough to, uh, to something like a lamppost or a cyclist. It doesn't bear thinking about, does it? Don't let your dogs stick their heads out of the window. I, I know it looks the part, but it really isn't worth it. By all means, open the windows a bit. If you need air in the car, they need air. Don't let them stick their heads out. It ain't big and clever i'm just thinking about a couple of basic principles for you know dogs in cars they, they need more brakes than us is is the truth um if you're planning a a long journey going away perhaps on holiday with your dog you need to be stopping every couple of hours um i mean thankfully these days most cars have air conditioning that's nice it keeps it uh, cool enough in the car but they, they need to stretch their legs um get out go to the toilet they can't really tell us of course when they need a comfort break so uh, these days, most service stations in the UK on the motorways have got areas where you can walk your dog. Keep them on lead. I'm constantly seeing people who let the dogs off uh, in areas like that. And I just think, why? I mean, you, you obviously know that your dog's good, that they come back every time. It's like, why would you risk it alongside the M1? It just doesn't make sense to me. I I, I would always keep mine on on lead, even if it's a long one. And another little, little oh, I suppose, moan from me really is, um, is don't leave your dog in a warm car you know people think oh yeah of course if it's 32 degrees outside blisteringly hot you know the the headline in the sun's call Water scorcher sure but actually no it doesn't need to be that extreme Uh, i read an article a couple of years ago that that basically said if the temperature outside is about 20 degrees which you know most of us wouldn't think was that hot it's a it's a pleasantly sunny day autumn day spring day you know the temperature in a car can within minutes be hot enough to kill your dog so it, it's just don't go there if the sun's out even if the sun's not out but it's it's warm enough do you need to take your dog with you if you're gonna have to leave him in the car now of course depending on where you live and your lifestyle you might be taking your dog on public transport to get around rather than getting in a car so again there's no substitute for getting in there early when it comes to training now, bear in mind that, a, you know, a trip on public transport involves all sorts of sensory experiences that you don't necessarily get in a car. Think of a, of a tube train in London, for example. You know, there's, there's, there's rushes of air, there's sound, there's crowds of people. The funny old thing in the tube, but actually is nobody ever looks at anyone and nobody certainly says hello, unless you've got a dog and then you're a magnet for attention. Which, depending on the dog, can be a bit of a problem. It can be a bit much now i'm from yorkshire and the first time i went on a on the tube in london i was a teenager and i'll, I'll be honest i was terrified I, I you know underground i'm thinking about all that earth that's above me and whistling along and i'm trying to work out how it works here and there's all these people and yeah you know, i didn't let on that i was scared of course because i was a teenage boy but um imagine what your puppy's thinking so you need to be the one that they're looking up to you need to be acting kind of normal and and calm it's like this is fine it's kind of you think it's weird but it ain't it's normal it's just just stick with me you'll be fine that's the best way you can help them before you try those first sort of trips on uh on public transport whether it's a bus or a train tube whatever i'd train your dog to sit or lie down on command in lots of different places. If you only ever train sit or lying down in your living room, um, you'd be surprised how difficult it can become when you do it in other places, because the dogs don't generalise well. And of course a public transport situation is pretty weird, but that's why you want them to be closely to you, sitting and lying down. You don't want them jumping up every time the doors open on the tube. So really put lots and lots of sit and lying down training in, in lots and lots of different places before you venture out onto public transport despite your best efforts your dog can get a bit panicked when something happens and again i'm thinking of the tube because that's the most extreme kind of form of public transport really as far as a puppy's concerned if they do have a bit of a panic try not to yourself and try not to hold on for dear life to the lead if you tense up on that lead and really hold on tight it's just making it worse because the more you restrain them the more they want to fight against it and it can it can spiral out of control so it's a fine line you obviously don't want them to be you know running around the carriage, but kind of feeling pinned to the ground is a problem so calm reassuring was it's fine don't worry everything's okay that's the attitude that you need to project not sort of like it's all right darling don't worry everything's all right it's okay we'll get off in a minute right. that kind of sounds anxious doesn't it and dogs aren't daft they'll pick up on that and think well hang on a minute <laughs> you're not reassuring me here Well, I'm sure you can't hang around all day. In fact, you you might have a car journey to go so you can practice. Um, But thank you so much for joining me. If you think any of your friends at the dog park would benefit from hearing this podcast, do tell them about it next time you're there. Is there an issue I can help your dog with? Uh, Send me an email, even better a voice note, to talkingdogs at avalonuk.com and I'll do my very best to help you out next time. Also, do rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Take care of yourself. And your dog, won't you? Bye for now.